This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Folks, I'm trying to get you to take, to not take for granted the exceeding greatness of the power of the Holy Ghost that's at work in you. We speak in tongues and think, well, okay, don't know if that did any good or not. And fail to recognize that God is speaking life-changing words through us when we speak in other tongues. And now, Lord, verse 29, and now, Lord, behold the threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Please notice it says servants, not apostles. Who are the servants of God being spoken of here? It's not just the apostles. It's everybody that's in the church. Here's the church praying by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost that the church would speak the word of God with boldness. Now, it seems like if God wanted that to be, and he obviously does, he wouldn't have inspired him to pray that if he didn't want that. It seems to me that if that's what God wants, why didn't he just make that happen? Because God is limited in his actions by his word to your prayers. God will work for you and in you to the degree that you're praying for it which is a great explanation why the church is powerless in the modern day. Now, folks, remember, these are baby Christians. These are people that have been saved for a couple of months at the most. We're not talking about a great spiritual knowledge. We're not talking about a great knowledge of the truth. We're not talking about Paul's revelation. They've got none of that. They just know that Jesus is crucified and told us to do the same works he did. That's all they know. And now, Lord, behold the threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by. Here's the boldness. Here's the, the, the cause of the boldness that they're looking for. Here's what they're praying to have. By stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Now, here's what spiritual babies that are led by the Holy Ghost pray. Moved by the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. That's basically the prayer, isn't it? If we had to summarize what their prayer is about, are they not praying by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost for a move of the Holy Spirit that results in healing the sick? Is that not what they're praying? Is anybody there? I want you to say it. Is that what they're praying? Now, here's my next question. Why does the Holy Ghost save a record for us? Because that's what he wants you to pray. Now, what do these people know? They know to be saved. They know to be filled with the Spirit. They know to pray for a move of the Holy Ghost that results in the healing of the sick. That's what they know. This is the foundation of what they know. Now, of course, that doesn't compare in any way with what we know because we're so much smarter. As evidenced by the great power that the modern-day church shows. But bless their hearts, here's what they did when they didn't know anything. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. Please notice it's not just the apostles that are speaking the word of God with boldness, it's everybody. That's what I've said about granted to thy servants. 
Not just talking about the apostles, not just talking about the leaders, not just talking about the, the, the pastors or the ministry offices. Everybody. In other words, to pray that the Holy Ghost would move upon the church and not just upon the leaders. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul, neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, everybody say power. If the church wants to know what produces power, here's the thing. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's got everything just right in their lives. It doesn't mean that everybody's spiritually mature. Chapter 5 goes on and tells us about Ananias and Sapphira who conspire in the middle of this move of God, in the middle of this great outpouring of the Holy Ghost, Ananias and Sapphira, because they're human, because everybody involved is still human, they start looking around saying, how can we use this to gain advantage? I know. We'll sell some property and give part of the money, but tell them that we gave it all. Barnabas did that in the last part of chapter 4, and man, look what happened to him. Maybe the same thing will happen to us. That didn't turn out too well for them. They died in church. The result of them dying in church, verse 11 of chapter 5, and great fear came upon all the church. I don't doubt that one little bit. <laughs> and great fear came upon all the, all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Verse 12, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest dared no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. How much is a multitude? We know the church is 8,000 plus. We got 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. We got 120 that started before the Holy Ghost was poured out. We got believers added to the Lord daily such as should be saved. We don't know how many that is. We got 5,000 people that get saved from Acts chapter 3, the healing of the man at the beautiful gate. So we got 8,000 plus the believer, 8,120 plus the believers that are added to the Lord, plus the multitudes that are added in chapter 5. I have no idea how many that is, but at the very least, it's over 8,000 people. That's a pretty good sized church to get started with. Now, folks, the size of the church has nothing to do with the power of God. They're not too big for God to move. See, everything that we might think hinders stuff, that's not the thing. What can we say about this church? We can say that the early days of the church, the church in Jerusalem, up until what we see here in Acts chapter 5, the church is under the control of the Holy Ghost. The teaching is controlled by the Holy Ghost. The praying is controlled by the Holy Ghost. And the people know what their job is. Their job is to be filled with the Spirit, meaning those that are saved. The job for the church, first born again to be part of the church. Second, be filled with the Spirit. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. Pray for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that results in healing. That's what they know to do. And that's what they're doing. And notice what God can do when he's in charge of the church. Verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick under the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. When the Holy Ghost has control of the church, 
Now, let me define that. I'm going to say this so many times that you're going to be sick of hearing it. Here's what being in charge of the Holy Ghost, having charge of the church means. When the Holy Ghost is in control of the church, meaning the church, the believers, know to be filled and to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Know to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in, that results in the healing of the sick. Or let's say it this way. To pray for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and to prevail in prayer for healing. When the Holy Ghost has control of the church that way, God heals people in the street. To conclude otherwise would be to make the Bible a lie. Because that's the record that the Holy Ghost gives us of what, uh, what things are like when he's in charge of the body of Christ. Turn with me over to James chapter 5. If this is true, we ought to have some additional evidence of this, shouldn't we? James chapter 5. Let's start in verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Afflicted means going through a test, trial, or trouble. Let him pray. Is any of you afflicted? Let him call for the church to pray. No. If you're in trouble, you pray. Why? Because God hears your prayer. Most prayer requests are because people don't have confidence in their own ability to pray or or God's willingness to hear them when they pray. If I know God hears my prayer, what do I need you praying for? In fact, that could be a detriment if you don't know how to pray well or, or scripturally. But isn't that what the church does? Oh, pray. Pastor Mike, pray. They'll put out prayer requests on Facebook or whatever, on social media. Get, let's get as many people praying as we can. I'm convinced a lot of people don't get results because of all the people that are praying. You got some people praying for the, what the word of God says. You got other people praying what they think. You got other people praying, Lord, if it be thy will, which ones do God, does God listen to? Folks, we need to develop ourselves in the knowledge of the word so that we can do our own praying. That always goes over big. Is any among you afflicted, going through a test, trial, or trouble? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. I have yet had anybody to call the church and say, Pastor Mike, things are going so well for me. Would you sing a song on my behalf? (laughs) Never. And the reason for that is because when things are going well, we are perfectly willing to sing for ourselves. We don't want somebody to do our own singing for us. We want to do it ourselves. Right? We ought to be the same way where prayer is concerned. Is any among you sick? Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them, the elders, pray over him, the sick, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith. The word prayer is the word declaration. Literally the statement of faith. Declaration of faith. Shall save the sick. This word prayer does not mean to ask God for something. It means a declaration of faith shall save the sick. Now, why would a declaration of faith save the sick? He's going to tell you if you'll keep reading. The declaration of faith shall save or heal the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another. Stop right there and let me ask you a question. To whom is the letter written? Is James writing to the pastor of the church? To tell the pastor how to heal the sick in his, in the, in his congregation? No, the letter is written to the church. The, the literally, it's written to the Jews that are scattered abroad. It's written to believers scattered everywhere. In other words, James is writing to people that are in church congregations, big or small, on every corner of the earth that the letter can get to. 
And he says, here's what you as a believer should do. Confess your faults one to another. In other words, don't get out of love. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. One of the things that the Bible says grieves the Holy Ghost is when we step outside of love because that's the only commandment of the new covenant. So literally what he's saying is don't let anything drain the Holy Spirit from you. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew eight seventeen tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now we could stop right here and go over to Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul identifies what being filled with the Spirit or staying full of the Holy Spirit is. James chapter 5, verse 18 says, But believers, talking to believers, to every believer, but be filled with the Spirit. That's a play on words because it literally says, Be being filled with the Spirit. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Wasn't planning to go there, but I can't not go there now that I've said it. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says, beginning in verse 18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Notice the comparison he makes. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Why in the world would he make a comparison to being drunk with wine or alcohol and being filled with the Spirit? Because it affects your behavior. Christians that stay full of the Holy Ghost, their their, uh, behavior is affected. Not negatively like alcohol will, but positively. Now this word where it says be filled with the Spirit, it literally means, in the Greek it literally says be being filled. Be being filled. In other words, it's a continuous action. He, we could summarize it and say, but stay full of the Holy Ghost. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says that when you speak in an unknown tongue, you edify yourself. One translation or one meaning of that word edify means you charge yourself up like a battery. Now, folks, if there's ever been a generation that should understand that, it should be us. We have to keep everything charged. We've got to keep our phones charged. We've got to keep our iPads charged. I've got to keep my car charged. You've got to keep everything in the world charged up. Now, some of us like to stay full. Others in our family like to take advantage of the fact that we keep our machines full. (laughs) Spiritually, we need to be like that. We need to stay full spiritually. You don't know what's coming at you tomorrow. You better stay spiritually full today and be ready. How many times do we see Jesus faced by some serious situation? He says, wait a minute, I need to go pray. No, he's ready. He's ready to go. Paul writes to the church, he says, be instant in season and out of season. In other words, stay full. Always be ready. Always be on go. That's what staying full of the Holy Ghost is like. Be being filled or stay full of the Holy Ghost. How do you do that? Verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
In other words, staying full of the Holy Ghost has something to do with what you say. You keep yourself spiritually charged by speaking. We know that includes tongues because of what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself, charges himself up like a battery. That much they knew. So how do you stay full? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Secondly, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. An attitude of thankfulness will keep you full of the Holy Ghost. Now, you can't be thankful if you're complaining about what you don't have. It's either or. Finally, the third thing that he mentions is in verse 22, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. In other words, walking in love. Love doesn't insist on its own rights or its own way. Let's say love doesn't have its own rights. It says it doesn't insist on them. That's how you stay full of the Holy Ghost. It has to do with what you say. It has to do with a thankful attitude. It has to do with walking in love. Now turn back with me to James chapter 5. You didn't forget about that, did you? Is any sick among you? The implication is there shouldn't be. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. In other words, stay in the love of God. He's writing this to the individual members of the church. Everybody, maintain your love walk with each other. Don't let unforgiveness creep in and, and create a rift between you and anybody else. Confess your faults one for another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Who is he telling to pray for healing? Is he telling the, the, the apostles, the leaders of whatever congregations are scattered around? Is he saying to make sure you pray for the sick? No, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to believers. He's saying prevail in prayer for the healing for the sick. In other words, here's your job as a believer. Here's your job as a Christian. Stay in the love of God and pray for healing for the sick. Then he tells us how. He says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And, and then he tells us the example of that. He said Elijah was a man of like passions just like us. And he prayed earnestly. And it didn't rain for the space of three years. Then he prayed again and it rained. He's saying to every believer, he's saying to the church, here's the Holy Ghost instruction through James to the church. And that is you should be praying for the healing of the sick with the same fervor that Elijah prayed for the rain to start and stop. Now, compare that to what we saw in the book of Acts when the Holy Ghost was in charge of the church. What did they know? They, know to, they knew to be filled and to stay full of the Holy Ghost. They knew to pray for the outpouring of the Spirit, and they knew to pray for the healing of the sick. What did God do when the church was operating that way? He healed the sick in the streets. Why? Because praying for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, getting the whole church to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Folks, we could, I could go anywhere with this. I'm out of time already, and I could go anywhere with this. Where it talks about in, in uh, Paul writing to the Corinthians, he said, desire or, or be zealous for spiritual gifts. Who is he writing to? Is he writing to John Jones in the church in Corinth? No, he's writing to everybody. He's saying the whole church should be zealous for these things. The whole church should be desirous for the move of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you're in the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. He's not, he doesn't have to be talked into moving. He's just looking for an atmosphere where he can. 
How do you create that atmosphere? By praying for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. By the Christians staying full of the Spirit, praying for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and praying for the healing of the sick. Turn with me over to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Jesus appears to John on the island of Patmos and delivers to him what we know of as the revelation. It's not the revelation of the end times, although that's what we normally think about. It's the revelation of Jesus. And the first thing that he does before he tells anything about the end time is he tells about the conditions or the instructions of seven churches, seven churches that existed at that point in time. Jesus gives instructions to those seven churches. Notice the one, the church at Laodicea. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would that thou wert hot, cold or hot. So, but then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, a lot of times people look at this and they think that he's saying you lose your salvation. That's not what he's saying. Let me explain this to you real quickly. Jesus said in John chapter 10, speaking of those that the Father had given him, he said, no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. Well, why would he use a different different, uh, uh, illustration here if he's talking about the same thing? Being plucked out of the hand of God would literally mean being taken out of God's hand, protection, salvation, whatever. That's not the illustration he uses. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. What does the mouth represent? represents the word he's not saying you lose your salvation he's saying the word won't work for you the word won't produce why because of lukewarmness now how would you compare that to what we read about the early days of the church when the holy ghost was in charge the one thing they were not is lukewarm they were hot after the things of god by the description and the the testimony of the holy ghost These were people that stayed full of the Spirit. They prayed for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Even though they were having one, they kept praying for it. And they prevailed in prayer for the sick. But Jesus is saying, here's what happens to a lukewarm church. The Word doesn't work for them in the same way that he intended for it to work. Now, it doesn't mean they're not saved. It doesn't mean they don't have any blessings on their lives. It just means the Word doesn't work. If we're looking for miracles, is it safe for us to say, here's one thing that will keep miracles from taking place? Is a lukewarm attitude? When we see that a hot attitude in the early days of the book of Acts, staying full of the Holy Ghost, prevailing in prayer for the sick and praying for the outpouring of the Spirit, if that's what brings signs and wonders and great power and healing in the streets, then would we not have to conclude that being lukewarm in our attitude and, and, and desire for the things of God would keep those things from happening? Sure. So he says, because you're neither cold nor hot, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Because that you say, here's what they're lukewarm about. Because that thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. In other words, they got distracted. They became lukewarm because of material possessions. Now, remember back what Jesus said when he was teaching this parable of the sower and the, the sower sowing the word. In Mark chapter 4, you remember the story? Jesus said one of the things that keeps the, that chokes the word and causes it to become unfruitful is the deceitfulness of riches. In other words, material things. So that lines up exactly with this. 
the word is being choked out in a church that God wants to move in the same way that he moved in Jerusalem and healed the sick in the streets. But he says, I can't do that. Why? Because of your attitude. Is God's attitude any different? Is God's attitude changed? Nope. Theirs is. And they don't even know the condition that they're in. They said, well, we've got material things where everything's going good. We live in Orange County. I mean, for goodness sakes. Folks, there's a lot of similarities to Laodicea and the place that we live. A lot of them. What's the answer? Verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. What in the world does that represent? The only time the Bible ever talks about gold being purified or tried in fire is talking about spiritual works. In other words, it's saying go back to spiritual works instead of material things. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, righteousness, that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thy eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. In other words, he's talking about spiritual understanding, going back to realizing who we are in Christ and doing spiritual works. Now, folks, since we see that the, 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 the results that were produced in the early days of the church, the first several chapters of the book of, of Acts, we have to conclude that the, that the definition of what Jesus said for the Laodiceans to get would be the very things that we've already identified, staying full of the Holy Ghost, praying for the outpouring of the Spirit, and prevailing in prayer for the healing of the sick. Wouldn't we? Wouldn't that make sense? I mean, don't those things connect? Sure. So he's saying, here's what you guys aren't doing, and here's what you need to do. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten and be zealous thereof, or therefore, and repent. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he will, and he with me. To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Now we use verse uh, 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock as a, a salvation scripture. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about come back into the door and let the Holy Ghost be in charge of your church. It's not too late. You can't overcome. All you have to do is change your attitude. All you have to do is change your desire, change your intent. So let me encourage you. Start praying this. Lord, give me a want for the things of God. Give me a desire for the things of God. Give me a desire for the things of the Lord. Give me a desire for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Folks, we're living in a day where Jesus said would be the days of greater glory. We're going to see things that put the early chapters of the book of Acts to shame. But it's going to take our prayer. It's going to take us praying for it. It's going to take us wanting what God wants. Not at the expense of what we want. Just putting the things of God first. God's word is the answer for every problem we'll face in this life. What a privilege it is to believe God and to walk by faith. 
Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. God is saying, I'll make the good years so good you'll forget about the bad years. I'll make the harvest so great you'll forget about the time when through your own disobedience and your own lack of following me, depending on me, you didn't produce crops. I'll make the fat years so good you forget the lean years. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.